Hello, welcome to Bible Read Me. I'm Charles Vanderson. Today I will begin summarizing the daily chronological Bible reading of July the 30th, day 211. We read how God, through Jeremiah, compared the faithlessness of Israel, the now defunct northern kingdom, to an adulterous wife, even a prostitute. Then how Judah, the southern kingdom, followed in her sister's immorality. God was not impressed with their insincere prayers, because while their piety was well observed by rituals on the Sabbath day, their daily behavior otherwise remained immoral. God patiently and compassionately pled with them to come home, acknowledge guilt, admit rebellion, confess sin, and return home. Since they continued to refuse, God foretold the severity of their disaster, yet he promised to preserve a faithful remnant. He described a future time when the Hebrews would reminisce on the days when the Ark of Covenant was in the temple. By the way, no one knows whatever happened to the Ark of the Covenant or the items that were contained in it. It was still in Jerusalem when King Josiah had the temple restored and the Passover celebrated, reference 2 Chronicles chapter 35, verse 3. It may have been taken or destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar, reference the Smith Bible Dictionary, page 53. Or I have heard that some think that Jeremiah may have retrieved it. So after the days of reminiscing, this period would be followed by Jesus' millennial reign, where they would not miss the presence of the Ark of the Covenant because the Lord himself would be present among them. In the meantime, Judah will not repent and the southern kingdom will be exiled to serve the Babylonians because they refuse to serve the Lord. But he will not blot them out completely. July 31, day 212. We read some of Jeremiah's prophecies that warn the people of the coming destruction of Judah as punishment for their rampantly embedded idolatry. Because of their rebellion, God was bringing the ruthless Assyrians who were famous for their merciless cruelty down from the north. In his 18th year of reign, King Josiah ordered that the temple be restored. While the priest was gathering together money from the treasury to pay for it, he found a single scroll of the law. Apparently, Manasseh's destruction of God's word was so thorough that only one copy of it was left, which some unknown priest must have hidden deep in the recesses of the treasury. King Josiah listened to the reading of it and responded in humility by renting his clothes and weeping before the Lord. The prophetess Huldah said that all the curses previously prophesied would still come to pass, but that since he humbled himself, the destruction would not come during his lifetime. August 1, day 213. We read of King Josiah's religious reforms. When he read all of the law that was found deeply hidden in the temple, the people uniformly responded favorably, at least with their mouth. He accomplished all that the unnamed prophet prophesied about him 308 years earlier when he told King Jeroboam, of Israel in the north, that a king would be born who would undo all of the damage that Jeroboam had done by Jeroboam erecting two altars to prevent the Israelites from worshiping in Jerusalem during their three annual festivals. This was back in the June 9th reading. Then Josiah put together the grandest Passover celebration since the time of the prophet Samuel. 
The writer stated that there had never been a king like Josiah before him and none like him after, up to the time that 2 Kings was being composed, of course. Next began the ministry and writings of the prophet Nahum, who railed against the Assyrians living in the capital city of Nineveh for their extreme and constant cruelty to all their neighbors. God identified himself as her enemy. This is a very bad position in which for a country to find herself. August the 2nd, day 214. We read the prophecies of Habakkuk and Zephaniah, which were given around the time of Assyria's fall in 612 BC. God responded to Habakkuk's complaint by revealing his intention to use the cruelty of the rising Babylonian empire to discipline the Jews. Because the Babylonians worship their own strength, God will also punish them. The main point of Habakkuk's message to the Jews is that those who live in faithfulness to God out of a sincerely trusting heart will be preserved by that faith. In the same way, Isaiah tried to get King Ahaz to trust in the Lord. He said, Unless your faith is firm, the Lord cannot make you stand firm. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, and the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11 also reminded their readers the benefit of living by faith. Habakkuk was a singing prophet. Reference chapter 3, verses 1 through 19. Zephaniah called to action the double-minded people's syncretism, a practice that continues today. Those who behave this way are usually those who are pious-looking at church attendance, who then go home after the worship service to do the things that God hates the rest of the week. August 3, day 215. We read Zephaniah's prophecies of judgment against Moab, Ethiopia, Assyria, and Jerusalem. In the end, God promised to bring all people together for worship by purifying their speech. They will consist of only the lowly and humble people. God will sing over them, reference Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. Next in the narrative, King Necho of Egypt wanted to pass peacefully through Judah to join forces with Assyria in a battle at Kar Chemish. But King Josiah may have been afraid that after their victory, both armies would descend down on Judah. So Josiah and his army intercepted the Egyptian army for battle. King Necho claimed to be conscripted by Judah's god, but apparently King Josiah had his doubts, entered into battle in disguise, and was killed by an arrow. Jeremiah composed funeral songs for him, and the people mourned for him. And even 90 years later, the prophet Zechariah referred to their great mourning, that being on September the 13th reading. Then Jehoahaz succeeded his father Josiah. Finally, we read Jeremiah's prophecies against the Philistines and the Moabites. I have heard it said that the Old Testament God of Israel is a angry God, and that in the New Testament he's a loving God. This is a theological error. To know God correctly means that all of his attributes have to be given equal weight. I believe that those who make theological errors often lean too heavily on certain characteristics, actions, and words while minimizing or ignoring other attributes that appear to be in tension with the ones that we favor. With that in mind, Jeremiah seems to have made a strange statement. Cursed are those who refuse to do the Lord's work, who hold back their swords from shedding blood. Reference also 
Exodus chapter 32 verses 27 through 29, and 1 Kings chapter 20 verses 35 through 37. My purpose in pointing this out is to help bring the pendulum of a seemingly popular paradigm back from where God is seen only as a type of manipulatable divine sugar daddy whose grand purpose is to be our eternal butler to satisfy our human desires toward the balance that he is a wild lion he is sovereign he is untamable and his word is final august the 4th day 216 we read that the people chose the younger son jehoahaz to succeed josiah but the egyptian king took him captive after only three months on the throne where he died in prison the editors of the one-year chronological bible published a misprint in my copy about jehoahaz on the top of page 1035 he was exiled to egypt where he died not babylon reference second kings chapter 23 verse 34 king necho crowned his older brother whom he renamed jehoiakim king of judah he was so evil that his name is not even mentioned in Jesus' genealogy. The gospel writer Matthew skipped him, reference Matthew chapter 1, verse 11, and Herbert Lockyer's All the Men of the Bible, page 178. Jeremiah prophesied against Judah and was put on trial for treason, but the religious leaders really wanted to kill him because he said that God was going to destroy the temple in the same way that he destroyed Shiloh. The Israelites in 1 Samuel chapter 4 treated the Ark of Covenant like a good luck charm. They worshipped the box rather than the presence of God. So God allowed the Philistines to capture the Ark and defeat the Israelite army. The leaders in Jeremiah's day treated the temple like the Israelites had treated the Ark of Covenant in Samuel's day. Some wise old men warned against treating Jeremiah as they had the prophet Uriah, whom they had formerly killed for prophesying the same kind of message. Then God sent raiding bands to inflict destruction and violence against Judah. Finally, Jeremiah made his prophecy about the coming 70-year captivity of the Jews in Babylon. August the 5th, day 217. We read that through Jeremiah, God spoke a warning to all the nations that they had one last chance to repent of their sins and acknowledge his divine sovereignty. His discipline was planned to start with Jerusalem. Compare this with 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17. Since Jeremiah was imprisoned, he could not deliver the prophecy, so he had his scribe Baruch write it down and read it in the temple. The leaders warned Baruch and Jeremiah to hide because King Jehoiakim was going to read it. As each section of the letter was read to him, he cut it off with a knife and threw it into the fire. Then he ordered for Baruch and Jeremiah's arrests, but God hid them. I wonder if he made them invisible. So Jeremiah dictated another more severe prophecy from God that included specific judgments against Jehoiakim. Jeremiah warned and encouraged Baruch for enduring his suffering. The Lord would protect his life as a reward for his faithfulness. Finally, God promised that his discipline would be violent, but that he would not completely destroy Israel. This ends this week's summary of daily Bible readings. My next episode will pick up on the summary of the reading of August the 6th, day 218. I look forward to your visit then. May God bless you.